wow, what a day, what a show, and so many more shows coming. That's right, you guessed it. Content, content, content. You are listening to the Bus Driver Experience. So everybody, welcome back to the Bus Driver Experience. If you are coming back to the channel, welcome back. And if you are new, welcome to the channel. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And thanks for getting on the bus with me. Now, today's guest is a super spectacular guest. Not only did I get to have him on the show, but I got to hang out with him for the next two weeks when he was out here in Los Angeles. I have Arjun Deer. Arjun Deer is a wildlife biologist, PhD student, researching the adaptability of spotted hyenas to anthropogenic changes in human carnivore conflict in the Nogongoro conservation area in Tanzania. This is the largest extinct volcano crater in the world. It's also one of the densest populated um, places on our planet of different animal species. I'm dying to get out there and I'm dying to see all these animals and all this wildlife. But really, the chance and the things I get to talk about Arjun on this show today is what is actually going on out there. What is it like for someone working on the front lines with the conservation and the study of animals and the study of the species on our planet? And a lot of stuff we don't really get to see. You know, we just told that the Amazon's burning, straws are in the ocean, and they're destroying the wildlife. Plastic pollution is a massive problem. The deforestation of the Amazon and other forests around the world is a catastrophe. But what is going on, who's reporting on it, and what are the ways that we can bridge the gaps and find ways for humans and all the different animal species on this planet to work together. So, I'm gonna go ahead and not just jump into the episode, you can go ahead and skip ahead of that, but I gotta make a quick plug about all the new things going on. Guys, you guessed it. We have content. I got content coming out of the ass. You're going to go get see that on the YouTube channel. The podcast comes out once a week. That's every Monday. And I think the best way to support this channel, if you are interested in supporting this channel, is going over at busdriverproductions.com and checking out some great bus driver experience merch. We got t-shirts. We got mugs. What else we got? Phone cases. Oh, we got phone cases. And Rule 63 shirts. What is Rule 63? If you have to ask, you can't afford it. That's the rule. I hope you got the joke. If you didn't, then it's way over your head and you just can't afford it. But everybody else, make sure you go check out that store. And thank you guys so much for listening to the show. If you can't support the show, totally get it. I really appreciate everybody listening and coming this long, long, long way and long, long journey with me. We're going to keep it going. We're going to keep churning. I'm going to keep churning out all this stuff. There's a bigger message and bigger cause on this planet, what we're looking to do, we're trying to evaluate our purpose and meaning. Life is changing quicker and faster than it ever has before. You've got to find a way to stay ahead and you've got to find a way to be human. And you got to find a way to enjoy yourself in the little short time you get on this planet. So, I'm going to cut out. Here's the show with Arjun Deer. Wish I could claw us in. The way we did that last episode. Last episode, we were just popping white claws. Oh, wow. So, instead of that clap in, it was, yeah. a, it was a white claw. Wow. Yeah. Nice. You guys uh, you guys got white claws out there? No. Germany, Tanzania? I've never seen one. <sighs> I love white claws. Unfortunately. But yeah, they're good. They're really, really good. I like them. What, has that been the biggest thing you've had since you got back here? Um, I'd say seeing my brother was a big thing mm-hmm. after so long. But uh, yeah. In terms of uh, 
The LA part, yeah. That was, yeah. That was, that's been the highlight so far, mm-hmm. by far. Arjun Deer, wildlife ecologist. Good way to put it. Biologist. Wildlife biologist. Yeah, ecologist. Ecologist. Like yeah. Dude, you're not you're not fresh from the plains. You were in back in Germany, but right now you're doing a research, um, or your research itself out in Tanzania. That's right. You're studying large carnivore, large big game animals. Right. And the conservation and. Well, it's the preservation of those animals and the studying them in their natural habitats. Yeah, yeah. The general idea is to study their behavior and their ecology to help promote their conservation. Mm-hmm. So, so try and bridge the animal behavior with protection of, of protection that will meet the meet the need uh, meet the needs of both the animals and the local people. How are we doing with that? Because uh, um, the way I see social media and the way I you know hear the news or headlines, it seems like everything's dying. Which is like a new yeah. trend. The people, things weren't dying before, but yeah. now they're just dying at a, a rate they've never died before. Yeah, it's 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 hard to be optimistic based on how things are going and how things have gone recently. Um, but you know, all we can do is try. And uh, it's it's an issue of of um, it's a more complex issue. Like the more you get into it, the more you realize how how much how much complication there is and and how, how much everything is tied together. So, you know, you get into it because you're interested in the animals. Then you realize, if you're interested in the animals and protecting the animals, you have to understand people, which involves social science, which is like really not my thing. But I've had to have that whole aspect um, mm-hmm. get super involved with as well. So it's it's complicated. Oh, you said something before. You were talking about um, it hasn't happened this way before. It hasn't been studied before. What do you mean by that? Or how, uh, things haven't been moving at this rate, or the animals haven't been dying? I didn't understand what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, we're currently in, in the midst of a mass extinction, the sixth mass extinction in, in Earth. Okay, I've seen that Earth's history that we know of. Yeah, you, I'm sure you've heard of it. Um, and wildlife populations, pretty much globally, are are declining. That's the general trend. Um, their their patterns of behavior are changing. Trending, no matter trending down. Trending down. Like yeah. A good stock market. It's, yeah. it's a definite. Uh, it's, it's a definite bear oh, market. God. Go ahead. Um, the bear market thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's a definite bear market for the animals. Um, and it's like across pretty much almost all taxa. Not every animal is, is declining. There are some that are actually benefiting from, from human activity and human expansion. Which ones would those be? I mean, the classic example is the rat, the brown rat. Um, there you go. You know, they, a lot of people don't know this. They were limited until the Middle Ages to Central Asia. That's it. Really? There were no rats. Like, there were no rats in New York. There were no rats in, in Europe. And then with with the advent of, of shipping and and you know the slave trade and everything, yeah, they expanded. the Columbia Exchange with things yes. having to cross like exactly. that. And then I mean we think about the bubonic plague in the 14th yeah. century. Yeah. I mean that was like the first form of mercantilism and That's trade. That's right. That's right. With these Venetian sailors going back right. and forth. Right. And wow. and I mean yeah the whole Black Plague and, and the Mongol invasion of Europe. I mean they brought these diseases and rats with them. Rats are crushing. And now they're they're doing great. I mean hats off to them. They're like the ultimate generalist. You know they're not specialists. They're not their niche is very big and they can do anything. And that's why they're doing so well in this time. You know at this time in in terms of evolutionary pressure, it's the generalists who are thriving, not the specialists. So you have your like bam- you have your pandas, which are like strictly bamboo eaters. As a, spe- a classic example of a, an animal that's almost too specialized um, <laughs> right now, and then you have your rats, which are like, or pigs, you know, or dogs that are doing mm-hmm. great. What well, are pigs doing great because we we eat them? Uh, Not no. I mean, there are there are populations oh, actually, of yeah, feral right. pigs, it, it, feral pigs in yeah. Texas, Texas, Hawaii. I mean, 
all over. All oh, over. they are crushing. Yeah, they're doing I, amazing. They, and have you seen um, Ted? What's his name? Ted Nugent, who just gets into helicopters. I have not with, seen it, with machine guns, and he's just mowing, gunning them down. Yeah. Gunning yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, because the way pigs, um, you know, I call them multiply. What a way, weird way to talk about sex. <laughs> the, the way pigs multiply. Yeah. <laughs> Is they, they do it when they become feral and become wild? Yeah, you know they start becoming boars. They That's gar- right. They start That's developing right. the yeah. tusks, in and there. they get leaner. They get athletic. They get like tough, and they get they get aggressive, which is the scary thing for people because they can. I mean, they can attack people. They can kill your dogs, whatever. Um, and you know, it's not just these places in the states. There's also Polynesian islands that have suffered a lot from pigs, and these islands have you know ground dwelling birds or or reptiles or whatever. And pigs are predators. A lot of people don't know that too. They hunt and they kill. And they're good at it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're not taking down buffaloes or anything, but, but you know, they can kill deer. They can kill uh, sheep or whatever, and, and they uh, they breed quickly. It's one of those things just uh, you'd love to see. Just a, yeah. pig, a pig yeah. taking down a deer it, it's and like, eating it's it. It's on my bucket list. You'd like to see that, right? I'd love to. Yeah. So who are, who are what are some other cases of generalists? We have rats, we have pigs, they're flourishing. They're, uh, yeah, definitely. Um there's you know different types of uh what else rats pigs domestic dogs which okay. become feral um feral cats i mean they're, they're strictly carnivores but the way they can live the way they can adapt to, to human areas is is remarkable you know some um, people don't believe that dogs or cats are carnivores right yeah some people feed them vegan diets which is i think animal cruelty but <laughs> that's yeah <laughs> um so yeah these generalists are are you know for now, at least, their, you know, their their jack of all trades, you know, style is, is paying off, mm-hmm. and I think it'll keep doing that. Yeah, I mean, the rat problem here is pretty. I mean, it's funny. I got I gone from New York to Los Angeles, and these are places with the highest rat populations right. in the world, almost now. Yeah, where the again, it's a tough number to say, but they predict you know nine million rats in New York City. Yeah, 12, yeah, yeah. Twelve million here in LA right. now. Right, and. It's interesting that, you know, people are making predictions about plague. Yeah. And this the fact that oh, these yeah. things can spread and carry disease. They can. I mean, Dr. Drew, of all people, is the one running around right. Skid Row in Los Angeles. Right, right. Advocating, like, listen, there are just rampant cases of tuberculosis. Yeah. HIV. HIV can't be spread by, through, you know, rats. through rats transporting yeah. them. Yeah. But, but there's several other diseases. Yeah. I can't think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, that they're spreading. Yeah. It's and nuts. And you know what's crazy? The only place in the world that has successfully eradicated rats is Alberta, Canada. The whole province has zero rats in it. It's insane. Go on. So you have Canada. Los and, Angeles, listen. And, yeah. And then you have this, <laughs> this giant hole in, in, I guess it's towards the west, like right east of British Columbia. If you look at a map of global rat distribution, there's just a big hole, Alberta-shaped hole, where Alberta is. <laughs> Alberta-shaped hole. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and they had such an amazing eradication program, um, and they, they got rid of them. Go on. It's really cool. And I think other places... Do you know how? Are you- I, they, they did... I think they set out poisons and they banned, like, breeding of them or keeping them as pets because now people keep them as pets. Fancy rats or whatever. Um, Who, who's keeping fancy a lot rats? Of, apparently... I mean, I would never, but apparently they're, like, really nice pets. Like, they're, like, affectionate and playful and they can come in different colors and... Yeah. You aware of this? Yeah, Jamie. I wouldn't do it. I'm, I'm not. I'm not a rat person, but yeah. I mean, you could say it's. A, would you say snakes are flourishing? Because you've seen the snake problem in South Florida. Uh, yeah, and in, so invasive snakes. Invasive. Yeah, snakes. yeah. Those those can, massive, like twenty yeah. plus. Yeah, feet. yeah. I mean, the Everglades, and they have so much to eat. They got their uh, muskrats and 
they can eat people's cats or whatever. And, and have you seen those uh, photos or videos of like these 20 foot alligators and 20 foot snakes wrestling each other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh it's my God, insane. it's amazing. I mean, in the Amazon, there's the anacondas that eat caimans, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Well, caimans are. They're not that big. And like, it seems like everything eats them. Jaguars eat them. Uh, yeah. Snakes eat them. You know, they, they just. Yeah. Nile crocodiles are Florida alligators. Yeah. Just... Yeah. That's cool stuff. Oh. Yeah. Massive. I saw this video once of a, um, a caiman biting an electric eel. And then it got electrocuted and died. And the eel survived. Caimans just lose every time. I don't know. It, 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 like, it, it got shocked. It was like shaking yeah. like this. and then it... one, one species we, we can gladly see go away. Yeah. Know, unless it evolves, of course. Evolution, yeah. real. If it becomes a generalist. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now, we, talk, we, we want to go back into these, um, these earth extinctions. Yeah. Or was it species extinctions? Mass extinctions. Mass extinctions. Yeah. yeah. When was the last one? We're talking about one that was like fifth mass mass uh, extinction. The quater- quaternary extinction. Um, That'd be the 65 million years ago with the dinosaurs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before that, Th- that was the dinosaur one. There was there. I mean, there was the one in the in the ice age, Pleistocene. Are we talking about uh, the 11,800 years ago? Or yeah, eleven thousand seven hundred, roughly, um, towards the end of the ice age. That's a, a that's a screwy animals. one right there. It is, and you know, it's there. I don't know. It's I'm fascinated by the ice age because it was so recent in 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 some terms, in evolutionary terms. Like things weren't really that different in terms of uh, the world's climate. Yes, it was colder or whatever, but we were around. I mean, our ancestors were there and they were thinking and living and coexisting or trying to coexist with these huge, huge mammals, dangerous animals that we ended up wiping out, you know? I mean, Africa is now the center of um, large mammal diversity and abundance. That's why it's famous for the safaris and everything. But during the Pleistocene, it was South America. There were there were giant ground slots. There was Smilodon, the, the saber-toothed cat. There was Homotherium. There was all these, you know, fascinating animals. Um, and they've been just completely just decimated. Are you familiar with um, Graham Hancock and no. what's his name? Uh, he's a geologist. And they, Randall Carlson. Randall Carlson. He knows the pairing of the two. Okay. Usually these two, they, they're uh, hand in hand. So. Okay. Um, Graham Hancock, brilliant journalist, writer, really love his historical fiction slash nonfiction books, as well as he's been really pro- focusing on this journalism mm-hmm. on humanity and civilization around this Pleistocene okay. mass extinction. Cool, cool. And where was humanity before 10,800 years ago? Okay. There, there were two. There were two massive, and he's been able to pair them with Randall Carlson's, um, these mass uh, rock impacts with Earth, oh, okay. asteroid, meteorite, whatever yeah, you want to call yeah, it, yeah. and they've they claim to have the evidence now from running around um, northern United States, going through you know Montana and Idaho and Utah, and just finding these massive craters mm. where they believe that something hit those massive ice shelves. Okay, ten thousand eight hundred years oh, ago, really? which okay. caused you know maybe one of these massive flood extinctions you okay. know that maybe could have happened you know in the americas that could have happened and triggered something across the planet yeah, yeah yeah because you know a lot of people don't they completely discount any biblical text or anything yeah. that and remember these things are stories however how can we draw any significance or maybe events that happen then so like you know not just noah's flood but there's like 200 different cases of like old ancestral stories of a flood yeah that had happened yeah yeah, yeah. sure, sure pre-civilization sure, sure. And, and you know interesting yeah. you know you talk about you know species and animals and being in this max extinction period now 
and civilization is just moving at such a, a fast rate. It's only moved linear. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we're right. going through a mass extinction now. Right we now. haven't uh, been affected as, as people. We're living in the best time yeah. there is to live in. But yeah. where is it going to go? How, well, what happened before? Yeah, right, and right. How, no, that's a good question. We were people then. Yeah, we were. We how, were. were. Did we? Were we just for eight hundred thousand years or two hundred thousand years as people just had no advancements and no? I'm not saying we had flying cars or anything, but like what? Was there maybe a little bit of civilization? Was right. there Mesopotamia before Mesopotamia? Okay, interesting. Yeah, and no, that's that uh, those are from the records and the things that they found in yeah. Globeki Tepe in yeah. um, in Turkey, that thirteen thousand sure. year old yes, city that they yes, found. Yes, 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 right. um, there's one in Indonesia that they've come across and stumbled okay. across, and just from all the digging and research they're doing now, and actually, archaeologists trying to keep history as is and trying to defame people for. And discredit people for saying civilization. Oh, this is how it is. Yeah, right. Eight thousand years old, Mesopotamia, into Persia, into yeah, Babylonia, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. it. Indus Valley, all of that. Yeah, and that's it. Right. So right. anybody coming out, it's again. You, you'd think people who are in history, open to something new, discovery, yeah. change. Wow, they're still they're stuck with these. There's still those trends. Yeah, sure, sure. In sure. all these things, but yeah, yeah, yeah. what do you think about that? Do you think the people uh, civilization just stopped, or do you think civilization just started? I think I think the rate of technological advancement has just sort of exponentially become faster. And so, you know, maybe it seemed like things were the same for tens of thousands of years, but there was probably slow, gradual, you know, increase in, in terms of what people could do and, and their, you know, uh, the systems that they had. I mean, they did have irrigation in, in, in the Indus Valley back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had, they had a form of irrigation. So, you know, things slowly developed and grew, and now we're just really seeing it. And we look at the records off. of the Sphinx. And yeah, exactly. Actually being water exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I don't know, even just the pyramids, I mean putting those blocks up. I mean things like that are there are some great incredible. Great primary sources. You go back and read and they talk about what was on the pyramids because I think there was um I forgot when there was a very massive earthquake that hit Cairo. You talk about rebuilding the entire ancient Cairo oh, with wow. some of the stuff on the ancient pyramids. So oh, and wow. they talk about okay. in old records where used to there used to be color on them and shiny objects yeah, on this, them. Yeah, this I heard and about. And you're yeah. like just that's you know, that's cool. something you want to go back in time uh, and say, yeah, what did those things look like or how were they built? On the wall. Yeah, that would be amazing. Ah, that would be so cool. Unreal. Yeah. So who's next? Who's What species is dying next? Oh, wow. What's on the way out? I mean, during this conversation, some species have probably already gone extinct that we didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's those, it's those really specialized endemic species right now um, that live in tropical systems that we don't even know about that probably are dying out mm-hmm. of the quickest. Okay. So amphibians are in a real crisis. You've probably heard about this, um, this chytrid fungus that, yeah. that it kills. It's been killing a lot of tropical frogs and salamanders and newts and things like that. Um, amphibians are really in trouble and they're understudied as a taxa in general. You know, they're not super charismatic. They're often not very big. Um, they're not very conspicuous. A lot so they of the don't time. do much. They're usually just they're croaking or yeah, I mean, just floating or getting us, out of water or going back in the water. Right, right. And to us, they're yeah, they're kind of simple or whatever. But but um, you know, they play an important role in the ecosystem, and yeah. and they are dying out quickly. And then plants also. I mean, a lot of plants are you know endemic to like you know because you have these microclimates in these really uh, mega biodiverse areas. Can like, you give us an example? Like the Amazon. Um, off the top of my head, I can't. I'm, I'm not a botanist, but but there are you know plants that are restricted to very small pockets of, of forests or, okay. or you know specific uh, micro microclimates or microhabitats, and um, they're very susceptible. And now with you know things like deforestation and climate change, they're they're going extinct quickly. Yeah. 
And um, it's troubling. I mean, it's, you know, you can look at it through that lens. Some people just say this is just how it is. It's progress. It's things, you know, either species will adapt and, and deal with it or not. And it's just, if they don't, too bad. Um, I'm not saying I support that, but that's that's an attitude that I've seen a lot. Yeah. What do you think about the Amazon and everything going on there? Do you know exactly what's going on down there? Yeah, I mean, it's it's rough. I was just yesterday reading about it and watched some videos, um, not just in terms of the, you know, environmental consequences, but also for the indigenous tribes that live there. It's, you know, it's quite sad. Um, you know, they're losing their ancestral homelands and stuff. And I know Bolsonaro is clearing it for farming and development and, and what happened. Bolsonaro. He's the Brazilian president? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really unfortunate. I mean, they are really the one of the important lungs of our of our planet, and they're really burning. And it's sad. It's it's really sad. I think mm-hmm. it's, it's very short sighted, in my opinion. I, I mean, this is this apparently this has been going on for like three weeks. Yeah, the, it has. And it just now, you know, the last couple of days is when the media firestorm, not to you know firestorm, but yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> when the media firestorm took off. Um, but I'm glad it's getting attention, man. I mean, you know, a lot of these things happen kind of like under the rug and then no one hears about it but now like i opened facebook today and like everyone's talking about it people who like don't know anything about you know ecology or whatever they're they're worried um so i'm glad the awareness is there. yeah it's it's you, it's quick something that's very easy and quick to make fun of yeah just say oh now someone cares oh the this post is going to save the rain yeah forest. right right but they don't realize that that little heightened sense of oh wow people are talking about this. yeah now, yeah someone even if it's just like a small form of education, they're yeah, they're yeah. a little bit more educated right, on the subject. Right. And there are the NGOs based there in Brazil that are getting a lot of donations now. You know, I can't name off the top of my head right now, but there's one that focuses on the wildlife, if you want, and the plants and stuff. And there's one that focuses on the indigenous people, and they're both getting a flood of donations now yeah. from people who are concerned or whatever. Well, I mean, you think of like HIV and AIDS in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. I mean... A good example. Billions of dollars thrusted into right. the study and the creation of different medicines, and bam, we have a treatment for that. You yeah, know, right yeah. away. Right. You know, it really depends on our attention. Yeah. It yeah. depends on our focus yeah. and yeah. the imaginary green paper that we've given value. Right. How much of it can we throw exactly. at something? Exactly. I mean, this Notre Dame fire in France. Yeah. Such a classic example. Like, what is it? Three billionaires just donated like I don't know how many millions of euros, and it was repaired like that. Mm-hmm. And I mean. Think about it. If 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 people really rich people with power really really wanted to make a difference in this Amazon situation, I think they could, um, and hopefully they will. Now, what's going on in the Amazon? I mean, because the rainforest apparently has been. I, I got to spend some time there in the past three years. I've okay. been in and out, you know, cool. doing the bus trip in South yeah, America. Yeah, yeah. I spent some time in the um, Peruvian Amazon, right okay. on the Brazilian border. Cool. Lived there for a week. Yeah. Um, you, know, you got to live in a hut, tarantulas crawling on the floor, yeah. you know, just oh, like, man, yeah. I, oh, yeah. don't worry. Those tarantulas aren't going to bother yeah. me. It's like, what if I have to go to the bathroom and I step on that thing accidentally? Yeah, yeah. I, tr- I trust it might not hurt me, yeah. but I don't want to, I don't want to bother it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a special place. <laughs> um, you know, what is going on? Is it, is it, a lot of people say it's for cattle grazing. A lot of people say it's for, are we, are we really need that much paper still? Is paper still a thing? Like, do we need that much paper? I, I don't mean, think there's paper on this desk right now. A lot of it is for, for cattle grazing. Wait, wait. Um, Excuse <laughs> me, wood table. <laughs> paper right there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. A lot of it is for cattle grazing, definitely. And then lumber, yeah, mm-hmm. indeed. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, plantations, I don't know what exactly they're growing, but there are plantations there. Yeah. Different uh, types of trees or orchards or whatever. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a bigger question to go into uh, humanity's needs mm-hmm. in the these markets of you know 
I think you and I were talking about this yesterday, just different areas of the world who maybe just who haven't industrialized yet and who are in their industrial phase of, you know, just yeah. the way civilizations right. grow and move. Right. I, I like looking at all these different countries historically. Like, yeah. oh, this country might be 50 or 100 years behind where we are. Yeah. Or even some countries, like 200 years, mm-hmm. literally, mm-hmm. who have not gone through that industrial phase yeah, yeah, and yeah. not had these emerging technologies thrusted into their civilization. And, yeah. you know, how do we tell these people, how do we tell these countries or these people like, hey, we did this. Yeah. We, it's not good for your environment. Right. It's not good for a global scale. Yeah. And we don't need you to do this to make right. the money you need to make. Because right. that's, again, a whole idea of, you know, privilege. And exactly. Whole idea exactly. Of like, You've yeah. been able to do this. Why yeah. can't I Exactly. Do this? They, they feel like, you know, you're, okay, we want to say, okay, we learn from our mistakes. Don't do this. It'll be better for everyone. But then they're saying, hey, we want your standard of living. We want to have your opportunities. And we want to be able to travel and, you know, do what we want to do. Like, get our dream jobs, everything. Which is understandable. I can see both both perspective. And, and I think... One really interesting example of this is in a lot of sub-Saharan African countries, the switch, you know, we kind of went from like, uh, we went from landlines to mobile phones. They never had that. They just went straight to mobile phones. So landlines were never really a thing, which is, I think, fascinating. Like in, in, in homes, in, in, in houses, if you go to Tanzania, they never had a landline. They just straight away went to iPhones. So I'll meet guys who like, they might be even even illiterate or they, you know, they don't have a real a real job, but then they'll have an iPhone 7. And it's super <laughs> interesting. I mean, I just find it fascinating. Like they just quickly how quickly uh, capitalism or whatever spread and uh, has has influenced them. And in, in my opinion, has has improved their lives in some ways. They really, you know, I can keep in touch with them when I'm in Europe or whatever. My friends there, um, whereas, you know, even 10 years ago. If I'm if I'm away from from Tanzania for six months, I would have no contact with them. Yeah, and it's nice. It's truly amazing once you get to grow up in such a you know the best place in the world to live, and you get to go out in the rest of the world and you get to yeah. see yeah. a little bit of everything else. The and perspective, yeah, a right. little of everything else and right. experience. Um, you know, yeah. the, the whole thing how the other half lives, right? How the rest right. of the world lives. Yeah, you, I'm I. I I can wake up here you know, in such a great situation I have in Los Angeles. So grateful every single yeah. day. Yeah. The things I've seen. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I think that's a big thing missing in a, in a, not just American culture, but Western culture. Yeah. Is there's a lot of this victimhood. Sure. And um, shame that we try to cast on ourselves. Yeah. Um, Virtue signaling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, There's yeah, a lot of virtue time. signaling big across time. a lot of things in our culture. Big time. Um, it, it, it goes into like, hey, we have it so great. I need to feel, I need to be, to feel more grateful, I got to be, feel bad about myself. Mm, yeah. And point holes in myself. Yeah. Not to make the rest of the world better. Right. But to make myself feel, feel better. Feel guilty. Yeah. But in which which way, is really interesting. And it, I, I think it negates people from actually going out and experiencing the sure, world. Sure. And helping people around yeah, the world. Yeah, because yeah. biggest thing missing in these Western American cultures um, is they don't realize their significance to the rest mm-hmm. of the world. They rather feel guilty. Yeah. And they rather feel shameful. Right. But like you said, I mean, I'm sure there's people you've meet, met around the world like like I have. And it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. What an you're American. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just want to sit down and talk with yeah, you. Yeah. Like, right. Who you are, where yeah. you've been, what you've seen. Yeah. I want to talk about American culture because right. I see this on TV. Right. And that's yeah. just like radio. Sure. You know, TV news, pop culture. Yeah. I can't imagine from the things, you know, and the things you've studied that people want to learn from you, especially in the field of science. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's been really nice. Like when I, when I go there, you know, I, I'm not there to, um, 
make any make any decisions on on what to do with their wildlife. That's not my role. I mean, they're the local people. It's it's up to them, and it should be up to them to uh, um, really manage the national parks or manage the wildlife the way they see fit and the way they see is, is sustainable. Um, but yeah, I do bring in my expertise, my scientific background, and, and they're interested in it, and they're just interested in my, my outside perspective as a, you know, a third party coming in and trying to help them out and, and you know, help the wildlife too. And um, yeah, it's been amazing. I mean, the, you know, the zoology, the, the, the biology side is, is what really got me into the field. That's what I was, was, I was always interested in, but the human side actually has been really rewarding big time. What are the current, you know, studies, trends, you know, what are zoologists and ecologists talking about these days? You know, for example, are you guys uh, negating that animals eat meat? What is oh. going on? Why is R. Kelly just popping up? <laughs> Good oh my. song, though. It's a great song. Weird. I'm just, just shutting it off. Sorry. Sorry, yeah, sorry Al. <laughs> How do we shut this phone off? Yeah, so we're talking about trends. Yeah, current happening. trends. Well, um, well, for example, like, you know, a lot, a lot of th- um, some people. I don't think there's a mass majority of people think that animals m- might not eat meat, or they might not be carnivorous, or that being carnivorous or eating meat might be negative too. You know, the environment. Oh yeah, I mean th- that. This is. I mean, is that, is that uh, rubbing over all the way into animals? Yeah, no, no. There are people who say morally. There, I mean, this is a fringe, you know, idea in my. Uh, I, I I always believe it's fringe. A lot but, of people like, don't think the majority of people think. This yeah, way. yeah. But yeah, there are people who say like, in order to truly end animal suffering, we need to kill predators too. So really? That, yeah. I mean, I read an article, a serious article. It wasn't satire of of a philosopher who actually said that, and I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever read in my life. Like, I just I went. I mean, I study carnivores. You know, I I know what they do. I know the value they bring to an ecosystem and even to human lives. I mean, they they improve things. And the fact that someone would actually say to end animal suffering, we have to kill every lion, every wolf, every hyena, whatever. I mean, it's ridiculous. Who is this guy? I don't remember his name. I can send you the article if Please. you want, but it's it's such a joke, and like it, it just drove <laughs> me crazy. Um, in terms of current trends, you know, there was a meta-analysis done or a review or something done to show, like, in zoology or in wildlife biology or ecology, whatever you want to call it, how things are going. Um, first of all, things are getting more and more quantitative, so there's more and more modeling studies like relying on statistics i think they've always been quantitative it's the fact they that have we were able to look at things yeah, much yeah, yeah. more granular right right and, and field studies are kind of going out of style which i think is really sad what would, what would be a field study? like what i do what I, where i actually go to the bush and i'm actually studying seeing the animals face to face if you want and and collecting data and and you know really getting to the root of the system really there's less of that it's get, yeah, because first of all, it's expensive. Um, it's slow, so you don't publish papers as quickly, and it's all about publish, publish, publish in academia or in science in general. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, modeling is is really taking over. So so there are you know there are pure theoretical or quantitative ecologists who just are always on on their laptops or always on their computers and never go to the field, but are still ecologists. And I mean, they they bring a really uh, important skill to the table. I mean, they're, they're very good with stats. They're very good with programming and everything. And it's important. But I think the field side is also very important. And ideally, you have skills in both. That's what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's a bit unfortunate, I think, because I think when you really separate yourself completely from the system that, that you're studying, you lose touch with it and you don't know how it works and you don't know the, the, the behavior of the animals or the behavior of the system or, or how it's all connected. Yeah, we can see that with yeah. U.S. politics right now. Yeah, exactly. That's a really That's good a example. Good correlation. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. 
So that's one big trend. And then obviously climate change, the number of climate change papers that have been published or studies is like increasing big time. Obviously, it's not surprising. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's generally how things are going. Huh. Yeah. Now, how did you end up in Sub-Saharan Africa? How did you end up in uh, studying uh, carnivores or uh, large game animals? Yeah, a series of coincidences and good luck. But I, I mean, I was interested in, in predators or, or animals in general, like even as a little kid. I just had a natural curiosity. Um, I mean, my brother can tell you, like, even when I was two years old, I was watching Discovery Channel, all of that. Um, and I loved the predators, like, you know, Nat Geo Wild, watching lions, hyenas, everything. I'm a history guy. I mean, when you had, yeah. you had some historical, you know, battle scene set up, and we're talking about Till of the Hun. Yeah, yeah, you know, right, right. Uh, flanking sure. a unit. I'm like, oh, this is, this yeah. is basically porn right here. Right, <laughs> this exactly. This is great. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had the same thing with, with these, you know, these safari shows, David yeah. Attenborough, all of that, mm-hmm. Jeff Corwin, Steve Irwin. Um, and so that that's what really sparked my interest. I also had just a natural scientific curiosity to understand how things work, what causes what, you know, uh, that's sort of the nerdy side. But yeah, um, so that, yeah, that sort of hypothesis driven thing was there, but there was also just the innate curiosity. And then I, I did really well in high school in biology and, and you know, science in general. Um, so I studied uh, wildlife ecology and management in college for my bachelor's. And then junior year, I did a semester abroad in East Africa. Um, that was my first time in Africa in general. So this was 2012. And that's when I, like, realized, like, okay, this is definitely what I want to do, like, for mm-hmm. my whole life. Because it was my first time there, actually seeing these animals in person in the wild, not at a zoo. And actually collecting data on them, and I wrote my bachelor's thesis on on Grant's gazelles, and I was just like, wow, okay, this is this this is what I want to do. And mm-hmm. then, um, yeah, I you know I wasn't involved with carnivores just yet. This was just still as an undergrad. Especially then, you're talking about gazelles, yeah. Yeah, exactly the opposite, <laughs> the carnivore food. But um, then after I got a job, right after college, I got a job um, in Botswana to study African wild dogs, lions, hyenas, leopards, and cheetahs in uh, the Okavango Delta. Mm-hmm. And so that was behavioral work. I was in my Land Rover out in the bush following them, collecting behavioral data, um, just, you know, living out there, camping, everything. It was, and I, that that really set me on the path. What a life. Yeah, it was cool. It was really, I was 22 at the time. I didn't know how to drive stick. I didn't know how to drive off-road. So I had to learn that on the fly. I mean, it was it was crazy. It was completely insane. Any crazy stories? Uh, yeah. I mean, there was one... Man, this is a classic. But um, there was one time this male lion named Hector, awesome name. Oh, um, a, a Troy <laughs> reference, if you want. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had Hector, we had Achilles. They, they all had names like that. Uh, Priam. <laughs> it was a real Iliad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Named, I was actually listening to the Iliad when I went to sleep last night. Oh, really? Said okay. it, yeah. Um, so Hector, he was this like huge, tough, tough male lion. And long story short, he killed a young elephant that was on its own um, at like a pond and then he took it down he's eating it blah blah i'm like oh my god this is amazing so i wanted to take a video and i was taking a video and then my car broke down i had had an issue with the ignition and it actually broke down so i'm like stuck in the car for hours and hours and hours i'm trying to radio camp but i'm I'm out of radio contact because i was like six kilometers from camp and i think the radio was only four or five in range i was like wow i'm screwed and it's hot it's botswana it's like super hot this is like southwestern on Botswana, or is Botswana more like a little central? It's south, south central, south central, directly north of South Africa. Okay, um, and I'm in northern Botswana. Namibia is on the west coast. That's right. right that's yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm stuck in the car and it's hot. And I'm drinking water all day, obviously. Yeah. 
and I had to pee after a while. I mean, you know. Huh? But I'm like 20 feet from a fucking lion eating an elephant. I'm like, how the hell am I going to do this? <laughs> so I actually had to... I didn't have to, but what I did was I rolled down the window and peed out the window. And Hector noticed, and he was angry, and he comes running at me. And I was, thankfully, I'm in the car. So well, like, you're standing on the car seat. Like, I'm kneeling, yeah. With, with the, the crack in the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that was enough to incite him? Yeah, yeah, because he could hear the water splashing or whatever. And, you know, when you're close to them, and I wasn't, like, super close, but I was close enough. And then when he heard this noise, it just agitated him because he's protective of his meal, you know. He doesn't want me distracting him or whatever or trying to steal his food. Of course. So he, he's pissed off. He's like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> so he like he gets up he like hits his tail against the ground a couple times they'll often do this when they're annoyed they like smack their tail against the dirt and then he gets up and just starts running at me and i fall on my back but i'm in the car so he comes up to the window and then he's like oh screw it and then he like walks off back to the elephant and Unreal. i mean it is a 400 pound male lion running at you it's only like three or four years old it was young he was young he was yeah he was like four maybe four and a half he was he was young but he was like strong and like really aggressive i like i like the life lot. expectancy on these things when is like uh adult um what age is like an adult oh, for a lion i would say three around age three is when they're like young adults like kind of an 18 year old okay um in human years and how long are they living for 10 12 years probably it really depends male lions live a tough life um yeah they live a really once tough you life. lose your dominance yeah right yeah so i mean you you're born into a pride you leave your pride at a certain age with your brothers or cousins or whatever and you're a, you're a coalition then and then you're just trying to find another pride and you want to kick out the males that are already there and then when you kick out those males you kill those males cubs that, that they had with the lionesses and then when you, when you kill those cubs the lionesses come into heat again so you mate with them and then your cubs are born so it's this endless circle of life if you want is that and, similar uh, with a lot of carnivores i know with bears that's kind of very similar as well in it, terms of like killing the yeah the cubs of yeah. another male and then the that female bear going into heat like, right almost like immediately right. it's, it's not ultra common i mean every carnivore has its own sort of social system uh, lions are, are really fascinating and extremely social and I actually i actually really like them even though i study hyenas i really i'm fascinated by lions yeah. and uh yeah, that's that's quite a unique one though. Um, so yeah, that's what the male lions do. And obviously, usually when they're when they lose when they lose their foothold on a pride and and the lionesses once they're a bit, they're a bit old already probably, um, they might not be able to hunt super well anymore. That's often kind of the end for them. So a lot of males a lot of males will die when they're nomadic when they're like three. A lot of them will die after they've they've lost the pride. So it can be anywhere from age I don't know six is kind of the prime year age six. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've known male lions who are like 15, mm-hmm. which is very old. These are wild or are these ones wild. that are protected like wild. a game reserve? Well, that counts as wild. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, the question of wild is, is you know, what exactly is wild? I mean, it's, it's hard, but I, I, I would say a self-sustaining wild population that, that can feed itself and breed and doesn't need human intervention at every step to keep it going mm-hmm. is wild. And in that sense, yeah, those game reserves like in Ngorongoro where I work, on Gorongoro Conservation Area, those are truly wild lions, and there's no human control over them. But there's a fence. No, there's no fence in Gorongoro. No fence what, at all. When does it end? How do you guys draw, like, where, where the game begins, where the reserve begins, and where it ends? Uh, it has a, it has an entrance gate, but okay. there's no fence separating it even from the local town. So there's a town that it just kind of merges into. Um, but obviously, you know. You have the Ngorongoro Crater, then you have, which is part of the Ngorongoro Conservation Area, which is 
I think like 8,292 square kilometers. So it's mm. a massive area. Wow. And people live throughout this area. So it's not just a national park where it's these are the animals and these are the people. It's all mixed together, which, you know, has its pros and cons, obviously. Um, but yeah, then there's a town like probably one one hour, one and a half hours from the crater itself called Karatu, which mm. is like a real town. I mean, there's like bars and everything, grocery shops. I mean, whatever you want. And it's just a stone's throw from these like herds of wildebeest and prides of lions and hyena clans and everything. That's gotta be a scene. Yeah, it's such a ju- juxtaposition. I mean, I can go I get could, your mayonnaise, but at the same time, there's a right. herd, herd of wildebeest right outside. Right, right. It's so cool. I think <laughs> it's a bit like it's a bit crazy, um, but yeah, I mean, it works so far. So. Any wildebeest traffic jams, you know, when you're just trying to get home? It, it does happen a lot. Elephants are the worst because like. Wildebeest will get out of my way. Elephants are like, what are you doing? I mean, I can crush your car. You have no... Uh, they will, too. I mean, if they're pissed off enough, they will destroy you in your car. So, not uh, to be messed with. It's truly amazing. Now, we talked about lions, and lions are big game animals, yeah. or large carnivores. Yeah. Um, what other animals were we talking about out there? Uh, carnivores. Oh. And not just, like, exclusive, I would say, to Africa or Sub-Saharan Africa, because I think that's you said where the most are. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. you think about South America. Okay, we got jaguars. Yeah, there are pumas. Yeah, that's right. But I mean, besides yeah. that, there's there's not many other. There's the um, there's the spectacled bear, which most people haven't even heard of. It's a, it's a bear, mm-hmm. <laughs> as the name suggests. It lives in the Andes, and it kind of it looks like it, it wears glasses. It has these like black rings around its eyes, and it's about the size of an American black bear. So it's not it's not huge. We're talking four to eight feet right there. But yeah, no, it's it's big. I mean, it'll destroy anyone who wants to fight it. Well, I mean, compared to, to a grizzly or a Kodiak bear, which are you know, so things are. Yeah, yeah, those are way bigger. Are but massive. um, but yeah, it, it still counts as a large carnivore, and mm. it's uh, bears. Obviously, most bear species aren't hyper carnivores, so they're not eating ninety percent of their their uh, calories from meat. But um, they will eat meat, obviously. Yeah, we're talking bears, big cats, yeah. anything else that's left on this planet? Bears, big cats, wolves, hyenas, doles. I don't know if you've heard of them. Doles. Doles. It's uh, a dole. D-H-O-L-E. It's, it's also called... I know, the, I know Rachel Dolazar, but... <laughs> it's, called, it's also called the Asian wild dog. Um, so they're in India and East Asia Ooh. and Southeast Asia. It looks like... Asian wild dog. Yeah, I, they're beautiful. Um, and most people haven't heard of them, which is sad, I think. But um, they look like medium-sized red dogs and they're real i mean that's what they are but they're wild and they hunt really well and they live in packs and yeah they're 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 really interesting and they can take down like i mean in india they they fight with tigers you know packs of doles versus tigers i mean they're they're famous for that and um yeah that's another example um there's african wild dogs which are like wolves I mean, it doesn't sound like there's that many carnivores. No, there aren't. There aren't. I, I think people, I mean, I have to talk with Sean Baker, who yeah, we'll, right. we'll call him a human carnivore. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Hyper carnivore. Yeah. Incredible guy. Go back and listen to that show if you want to learn more about the human carnivore diet. Um, but, you know, he is a big proponent and believer as well, is during that mass extinction that, you know, humans yeah. killed a lot of these yeah. massive carnivores. We did. Um, big time, big time. These animal carnivores. We outcompeted them. Out-competed I mean, straight them. up, we just won. Yeah. There's no, well, people there's no don't look at it as a it. victory. No, they don't. It's sad. It's a kind of a, a regret now. Like, damn, you know, I really screwed them over big time. Yeah. I mean, there were there were cave bears. There were mount. I mean, there were uh, smilodons. There was homotherium. There were all these huge carnivores. There were running bears that were like, um, it was called arctotherium. It was like a huge, huge bear. That I love seeing those big birds. Could sprint. Those oh, the terror birds. birds. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that whole trade is gone. The whole like um, giant meat-eating bird thing is like over. There aren't. And I mean, we have birds of prey now that fly, 
but those flightless giant, you know, human killing birds, they're gone. Mm-hmm. And that's just like tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of years of evolution yeah. of just no people yeah. and just open plains yeah. for animals to start evolving right. again right. into all those things. Right. But, oh, yeah, it's man. crazy. And so are we, we're like, we're in this downtrend right now of carnivores on the planet and how are they doing numbers wise? Not great. Um, the first issue is that there's a lot of data deficiency. So in a lot of cases, we just don't know. I mean, the methods aren't great. You know, India recently published this thing that said, oh, tiger numbers have increased over the last three years, blah, blah, blah. Great success. A lot of us in, who are actually, you know, wildlife biologists are a bit skeptical about the results because the methods they used weren't the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's hard to say. I mean, the, the trend in general is down. Um, I can use the example of the species I studied the most, the spotted hyena. It has been extirpated over almost all of South Africa um, over the past several... It's been what? uh, Extirpated, exterminated um, over much of South Africa. um, And it's declining outside of, you know, game reserves, protected areas, uh, because they're persecuted. I mean, it's hard to live with large carnivores. I mean, they can kill people. They can kill livestock, which people rely on. So... I mean, look at humans with raccoons here. Imagine, exactly. imagine having a, you know, a lion rummaging through your yeah, trash yeah. or a hyena. Yeah. I well, mean, I didn't even think like you know, just talking with you, I didn't even really know. You know, is a hyena a part of a canine uh, right, family? Right, is it, right. Well, you say it's even more of a feline. Well, they they're in their own family. So you have, I mean, the order, the taxonomic order is called Carnivora, which has different families within it. So okay. you have Ursidae, which is bears. You have Felidae, which is cats. You have Canidae, which is bears. I mean, dogs. You have Hyenidae, which is hyenas. And hyenas are in, so they're in their own taxonomic family, which is the order below, which is the the class. I mean, below order, right? The level below order, and um, within those that order of carnivora, there's two main branches. Mm-hmm. So there's the caniforms and the feliforms. So hyenas are feliforms. So they're closer to cats than dogs, but they're in their own family. And they they've evolved to kind of look like dogs, which I think is pretty cool, even though they're more more closely related to cats and mongooses and things like that. And what are those things uh, eat and killing out there? Hyenas? Yeah. Uh, Everything? <laughs> they Spotted hyenas themselves are really good hunters. Um, it's kind of a misconception that they're scavengers. I mean, they will scavenge. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. There's no... We shouldn't put a value judgment on scavenging, in my opinion. It's important. I think that's um, where you hear stories of, like, you know, even British uh, anthropologists or, you know, field journalists going down, like early 20th century yeah. or late 19th century and hyenas getting at them yeah. in their tent at yeah night. yeah this is a famous thing i mean they, they are really good putters and they they do it well i mean they they're endurance hunters so they can run for kilometers on end without tiring they've got big lungs big hearts um they're how sp- big are those things i mean hyenas themselves yeah they can max out at about 200 pounds um but average i'd say is i don't know 120 to 150 okay um they're big i mean they're they're big and people are always surprised when they see them in person about how big and like robust they are because they kind of they're portrayed as being kind of scrawny and weak and you know cowardly but they are not i mean they (laughs) they will screw you up and like yeah they're they're tough and yeah i've seen the way they can just bring down much bigger animals what's Um, the biggest animal you've seen them take down uh i've seen them take take down a giraffe I've seen them take down a buffalo several times. I've seen that a lot, actually. Zebras, wildebeest are no problem, for sure. I mean, a single hyena can take down a wildebeest. So, yeah, they're good. Yeah, well, I mean, wildebeest, what are we talking, like, just like a ho- small horse size? Uh... Not small. It's like, I mean, they're technically antelope, but, yeah, they're 
Yeah, they're probably horse-sized. They're very athletic, very good at running. Mm-hmm. Not very smart, but... I, I never understood a wildebeest's face, you know? They're very weird-looking, yeah. The, the hair, eyes are, like, here. The horns, yeah. like... <laughs> and the little beard. Well, it, you think... I get this idea of Africa, and you think of, like, you know, you know, tribesmen, you know, dancing with that mask around a fire, but, like, that's literally... The mask sometimes is, like, a, the image of a wildebeest's face. Sure, and, Like, sure. that's what it looks like. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. That thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. That, Someone drew that up, you know, sure. genetically. Sure. I <laughs> drew that up yeah. and said, okay, our genes are going to come together and look like that. the beast. Yeah. It's a, it's a it. very strange looking uh, animal. But yeah, they're, <laughs> I like them a lot and they're so important. You know, the migration in, in East Africa where I work. I'd love to follow that migration. Yeah, man. The I mean, the, uh, yeah, the Mara River, the crocodiles taking them down in the river and so many predators feed feed off them and the grass obviously is easy, even dependent on what them. about nile crocodiles those things are just still considered reptiles I mean, it's considered large game or in terms I mean, of the, large game that you would study I, I would love to work with car- uh, crocodiles i don't um we don't even have them in, in the ngorongoro crater mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean they they're huge large predators they i mean there's many cases of them pulling down uh, lions that go into the rivers or whatever oh, or yeah. leopards they can they're huge i mean they're really big they'll They'll kind of give way to hippos, because hippos are even bigger and and and, and tougher. But oh um, yeah, crocodiles are, are really well. There's that cool. famous case of Pablo Escobar who yeah. got um, right. who brought in these big African hippos. Right. And even ever since his uh, demise, we'll call it in uh, Medellin, there's at his old ranch. There's a lot of hippos that are still out there. Right. Right. And right. they've been breeding. Yeah. And yeah. they cause so much destruction yeah. to the local town that it's near. And they're running over fences. Yeah. I don't think they've killed anybody yet, but yeah, yeah you don't want to get in that thing. No, 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 no. You never want to get between a hippo and its water. That's when it feels threatened. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're, but what they do is, I mean, they're very sensitive to the sun, so they spend most of the day in the water in the mud. Um, but at night they'll come out to graze. Yeah. And if it's nighttime and you walk between the hippo and its access to water, I mean, it'll just come at you. Well, I think anthropomorphizing has a big thing to deal with that, and I think that is a big problem with. How people understand nature sure, in the environment. Sure, yeah. I mean, just the way you talk about hyenas, and people just clearly, you know, coming out there and just misunderstanding them. Yeah, yeah, they're very, very misunderstood, and it's something that, like, you know, it's very easy to blame the Lion King, you know, <laughs> 1994, or whatever. That was so recent. I mean, we have to dig much deeper and look at like human evolutionary history and how we interacted with hyenas over millennia. I mean, we competed with them, like for 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 dwelling spaces, caves, you know, for food. We'd ki- uh, kick each other off, off carcasses. We'd eat each other. I mean, there's a there's a lot of bad blood. And on top of that, hyenas are, they're not very um, majestic looking to our, you know, aesthetic eye. I mean, you know, lions have, have a sort of a, a beauty or a grace to them the way like leopards do or, or um, cheetahs do, you know, these animals, jaguars. Hyenas don't. They're they're you know they're they're slopey backed. They they run kind of weird look weirdly. They're they make really eerie sounds. I don't know if you've heard hyenas, but the giggle is very unnerving to like someone who hasn't. It's they sound like little girls who are maniacal. I mean they and you hear it <laughs> at night and it echoes and it's so loud and you know you hear them crushing bones and um, so they're they're associated with witchcraft. Oh, my and phones off. Wanted to hear that. <laughs> do you have a giggle? I actually do. Yeah. You can play a quick sound. I actually of. do. I have to. Uh, yeah. Let me see. Be. Yeah, so they have this like maniacal sound that like is quite intense. I mean, it's it's really. Here, where, where? Are you as excited as I am? Yeah. <laughs> <Is this 
Yeah, if you're in the complete pitch black dark and you're hearing that. Imagine being in your tent or your cave and hearing that and hearing them eating bones and like maybe eating one of your family members or something <laughs> while, he, while he or she is wailing for help. I mean, this, this is what you hear. Um, so they, they bring out this, I think, this very you know primitive disgust in the human brain and, yeah. like, and a hatred. And yeah. Like we said, it's the, it's the anthropomorphizing as a great thing for is a great it has been a great thing for conservation but yeah you know it's it, it's also it's a double-edged sword it's I mean, negated yeah uh yeah. the studies and the right. preservations of a lot of animals. yeah it has i mean I, look at the shark for you oh know since God. the 50s and 60s i mean jaws the damage that jaws did to the sharks you know public image sharks snakes spiders bats hyenas mm-hmm. crocs probably are in there you know uh yeah a lot of insects in general the only good crocs a dead uh, croc yeah exactly there you go <laughs> Oh God! So it's rough, but then you have animals that have People. that have been or benefit from it. I mean, even if they're not doing great, you know, tigers are so charismatic and so popular, but they're not doing well. No. Um, well, I mean, you but see, there's you, so much. You money. see some videos of a tiger, yeah, you know, just hunting, yeah, a bunch yeah, of yeah, people on a kayak and right. just swimming out the middle of a sure, lake sure, and just sure. killing. There's the famous place, the the Sundarbans in in Bangladesh and in India. Dude, the tigers um, they, are nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll come after people in boats, fishermen in boats. And then the fishermen were wearing masks on the back of their heads because tigers like to come up behind you and surprise you, right? Yeah. Like, hey. Um, so. Well, because they're like cats, just like your cat they plays are, yeah, in the house. Yeah, pouncing, except it weighs 500 pounds. Um, so they wear these masks, and for a while at work, the tigers would be like, oh, okay, he's, he already saw me, never mind. But then the tigers learned that it was just a mask. So then they started taking them down again. Unreal. And it's it's so... Sc- <laughs> Imagine going out to catch fish for your family, and you have to worry about a tiger eating you. Well, especially because it's going to be stalking you, and yeah. you're, you're not going to hear You don't know it it's swim. there until it... Yeah. <sighs> I mean, with its... T- yeah, you're done. You're cooked. Massive, massive canine teeth yeah, that it's man. got right here. Yeah, and it's easy for us to say, all right, pr- save the tigers, protect the tigers, but for the people actually living there, the reality is quite different. I think that is the, the most interesting thing, you know, because especially we look at uh, the biggest study... And I'm going to jump the gun on this one. Like, for example, it's climate change and how the climate and the different, um, the changing of our planet's weather is affecting things on the ground. Because it's really hard to say, especially from where we are in our part of the world, to say, you know, again, how that is affecting yeah. a newt or a yeah. salamander yeah. in this small little water yeah. right yeah. here. So what's going on with Africa? What's going on with, like, the things you're studying? Um, so the first thing is that droughts are getting more severe. Um, which is really devastating for, for people and for their livestock yeah. um, and for the wildlife. Uh, with droughts getting more severe, the grazing, you know, the pastures dry out, the, 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 the wildlife migrations get affected, um, and people's livelihoods are at stake. You know, the, these rivers dry out, and, and they have to share it with, with uh, the wild animals. And there's also safari lodges, which pump a lot of the water to, for themselves, obviously. Um and it's, it's tough because tourists and tourism in general brings the money that keeps these places running. So you need the tourists and you need the lodges, but they also have a large demand for water and other you know, resources, mm-hmm. firewood, things like that. Um, so Africa is, is getting hit hard, like really hard. And on the flip side, the, the storms, you know, the, 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 the hurricanes are also more severe. So it's like extremes in both ways. Are there hurricanes for you guys out there? Are they typhoons or cyclones? We don't, we don't get them in Ngorongoro. We're much more inland, but the coast gets battered. The East Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Big time, big what time. Are they, that's Indian Ocean, so they call them cyclones out there. That's right. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, Indian Ocean. They spin the other way. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, it's tough. I mean, it's extremes in both ways. You know, when we think of climate change, we often assume it's just 
global warming. It's just getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And yes, overall, the world is getting hotter. But in some places, the patterns are different. So it's just extreme, you know, extreme cold, extreme heat, you know, extreme dry, extreme wet. Um, and those fluctuations are getting more frequent and more severe. Yeah. People forget it's a game. It's a game of competition. You know, the way you talked about it with hyenas and, and humans, you know, just fighting over land, yeah. fighting over food. Right. And, you know, it's coming down to fighting over water. That's yeah. That's supposed to be the big thing with uh, the water climate wars, change, man. especially to 2050. Like, yes. You know, people joke about why would Donald Trump want to buy Greenland? But actually, like... It's a, it's a shrewd move if he does, yeah. It's a very, very good move. It is, it is. If he does. If he can buy yeah. this big chunk of land yeah. that all the ice is melting off right. of. And that's going to be very strong and prevalent and you yeah. have great weather. Yeah. And you 50 can, years from now, you can grow, you can have farms there and, and feed you, the U.S. and all of that. I don't know the top five, but it's like a top 10 landmass. Yeah, it's huge. In it's the world. massive. Yeah. Um, it'd be a good snag and goodbye because, I mean, be. I mean, I don't know if the, the mass migrations we've had in the past, you know, five years. I think it's been due, much more due to war. Mm. Um, and economies yeah. in Northern Africa as well as the yeah. Middle East, yeah. um, moving up towards Europe. Yeah. And, you know, now we're seeing that in Central America here. Yeah. It, it hasn't, we haven't really seen the water wars and, you know, the climate refugees, the climate refugees yeah. happen yeah. yet, but it, it's going to happen. It, it is. And I mean, uh, there are issues now with, with water in, you look at India, Pakistan, the classic example. I mean, all of these rivers are glacier fed from the Himalayas. Now those glaciers are retreating big time because India and Pakistan are at a subtropical latitude. They're not on the equator, but they're also not as far north as Europe mm-hmm. or, or where we are in the States. And Delhi's um, not too far from the equator. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, Delhi's 28 <laughs> degrees north, which is which is equivalent to Florida, basically. So it's pretty far south. <laughs> and the fact that it can get so cold there is just... It's, it's, it's amazing, it's yeah. Amazing. Um, but yeah, so the Himalayas are pretty close to Delhi. And, you know, those glaciers are going quickly. And what's going to happen when the Ganges or the Indus River... Or, or the Yamuna dry out. I mean, it's, you don't it's wanna, terrifying. You don't want to be in India when that happens. There's hundreds of millions pe- of people uh, living in that basin, the, the Indo-Gangetic Basin, and it's it's scary to even consider. And, you know, India and Pakistan already are at each other's, uh, uh, each, each other's throats for decades. Are those glaciers regenerative in terms of, like, you know, there's... I know there's different layers every winter, you know, whether it's snow it, yeah, or I top mean, snow yeah, or top yeah, ice yeah. that gets... Uh, regenerated up there yeah i mean in theory yes because of the monsoon the the rains come the or the snow comes in the himalayas it freezes over and it, it joins the glaciers but the replacement rate is not fast enough mm-hmm. so they're losing quicker than they're gaining um which is scary so what else is being studied out there in terms of I mean, we know the some of these animals are being affected uh, if affected by climate yeah. But what else are they uh, being affected by? I'm sure humanity. Habitat hum- loss is actually a bigger overall. And human impact is still like the biggest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe not climate-wise, but direct human impact. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, not. I'm, I'm not even going to say hunting or poaching necessarily. Th- these are factors. I think they get a lot more attention than they should, to be honest. Like, yes. Would you say hunting is more positive or negative to the animals? I'm actually not anti-hunting. I know that, you know, I uh, I think it has its place and, and its time. I mean, it, it's a situational thing. I'm not going to say all hunting is good or bad bad but um trophy hunting when it's well regulated so that's an important thing it has to be well regulated and well controlled with quotas and everything um it can be great for the local economy i mean if you have a, an american or a european coming in and paying fifty thousand dollars a hundred thousand dollars for a lion trophy or elephant ivory or whatever i'm sure you have right that's now a even huge, like a huge asian market yes yes but, and um, that's a huge economic boost to the local people and when you kill an elephant the local people also get the meat. 
Which think about it, how much meat an elephant provides for a village or well, something. People forget just like a cow. Like, if you bought a cow, yeah. you almost have enough food for your entire year. Yeah, right, right. Months on an elephant. I mean, that's that's years of food, and it's uh, it's really nice. I think, um, and it employs people. It, it employs rangers. It employs guides. It employs trackers. Mm-hmm. So, hunting has its place, and you know. Animal welfareists will disagree with me and say it's morally bereft. Well, are those more of your colleagues wrong. or are those more people that maybe aren't directly there? Well, how, um, how would you say, like, your stance on that? Where do, you, where, where do you stand with your stance on that matter in, like, ecology? And- I, I, so, I mean, I'm definitely more on the pro-hunting side than most people probably. Okay. Um, I don't hunt myself. I'm, the most I've ever done is done fishing. Um, but I'm, I'm okay with it. If it's well regulated, I'm, I'm not saying we need to just go rampant and kill, right. you know, arbitrarily. We are in need of cash, but we're not in need of cash yeah, to start uh, yeah. trophy hunting every right, right. old lion. And, you know, I mean, ideally you don't want to kill these male lions in their prime who are still young, who can still breed and produce cubs. But if you kill older males who actually often make more handsome trophies because their manes are huge and dark and they're big and, you know, mm-hmm. they've got battle wounds and scars and all that that can be a beautiful trophy and they've sort of surpassed their 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 potential uh for for continuing and, and having more cubs so then i see no harm in that personally mm-hmm. um but you know welfare will argue that's not natural you're killing another life form blah 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 i think we need to leave i, need, I think we need to be more pragmatic and realize that for now even if we find it distasteful or unpalatable to kill these animals it, it's often necessary and there is a huge demand for these trophies. I mean, hunting is a big industry. Well, I mean, the most famous one is, you know, there's been Cecil the Lion. Cecil, oh my God. There's... Doug. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, well, take walk us through it, because I think a lot of people, like you said, animal welfareists, who would say, like, there's just no place for this. It's not yeah. good. How well regulated is it now? Like, for someone to come out there, bring $100,000, Yeah. Like, wh- what what goes in that process? It, it totally depends on the country. I mean, you have, you have one... Ex- on one extreme, you have Kenya which allows no hunting whatsoever at any time. No hunting at all. It even burned its whole ivory stockpile a few years ago as like a symbolic gesture of hunting is not going to happen in this country ever again. How do you feel about that? Uh, I wasn't I wasn't crazy about it. I think... Um, well, in terms of like you're thinking like money to go back into the natural system. Right, instead of burning it. I mean, they could have done something productive with it and, and sold it for like millions and millions of dollars and... and Donate it back to their people. Yes, but instead of just burning it, I mean, I don't know. I thought that was a bit destructive. I mean, I understood like the emotional impact or whatever, but that's not... I, I, again, I think it was a bit not very logical. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm a logical... I'm a logic-driven person and I just try to be pragmatic and practical with these things and i just don't think it was a good move but it was up to them and it's you know um then you have countries like zimbabwe or south africa which south africa is probably the best example of a really pro hunting culture and they've done it well i mean t- to their credit you know it's a country with a lot of people it, it's i think it's the biggest or the second biggest economy in africa um imagine behind nigeria yeah, I was going to say Nigeria or where's Egypt? Well, anyway, I don't know where the ranking is. But yeah, yeah. South Africa is it's one of the BRICS countries. I mean, it's, you know, it's it's an emerging power or whatever. And um it 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 has a, a really nice system and it has small reserves, fenced reserves. Yeah. I've, um, I've been to a few down there. Yeah, and the animals to their credit, they live at high densities and you know, they they manage them well and yeah, I mean they they're doing okay and they hunt. I mean, hunting I've I've so many South African friends who hunt and they have the trophies and they'll even make make meat or you know sausages out, out of the the game animals that they kill and wow. that's no worse than us buying beef or something you know it's, it's it's kind of a double standard oh you're wrong for you know 
killing this oryx or this or this heart of beast or whatever for making your biltong but then we go and buy beef yeah. how are we any better i mean you know we're just scavenging they're actually hunting well, so. I, I think there's a there's a misconstrued uh, understanding of you know like you said our our impact yeah with any kind of farming whether sure. that's for you know factory farming for right. animals or factory farming for plants yeah because i mean you can look at the amazon and say well why is half of the farming for soy production like mm. why is soy not a natural right. for the amazon but we're clearing so much land right. for soybean for soy. production right to create oil yeah or, you know again and food for cows they feed food them for cows yeah. you know we are our, our guest that's coming uh for show next week uh ali moore she's a bug advocate okay and she's making a big push for um bug feed okay for fish and okay. animals okay because if it's bug feed yeah it's much more biodegradable for the environment you mean insects or insects okay me, yeah. cool cool so using cool. insects yeah, rather yeah. than you know soy yeah or corn yeah. or grain interesting and if you're using that it's gonna take up a lot less space because those things and multiply. it's high protein obviously it's high protein yeah. those things uh degrade very well right. back into the the sure. into the soil sure, sure. So the biodiversity of the soil stays rich i mean yeah. you think about all the um, minerals and vitamins are coming in just with bugs itself. A lot of magnesium, sure. a lot of BCAAs, branch chain amino acids. Yeah. Um, because as they're, as they're talking in this, uh, this house. So, you know, people don't realize again, I mean, the big thing with, uh, meat eaters as well, they'll say how much, how many animals are killed to get to your, your vegetables yeah. or to get these right. things, especially if it's not supposed to harm. Right. All this stuff. So again, I don't think people realize, you no. know, the impact and yeah. what people need. Yeah where those people are living mm-hmm. and how much of an impact it has on, on their culture yeah. and society itself. Yeah, you know, it you talked about, yeah, I may know all this about animals and I may know about, this about science, but I don't know much socially. Right. About exactly. Place. Exactly. And trying to understand the people and the yeah. impact of the animals and the people and, yeah. their, and their symbiosis, right. or, you know, them trying right. to find a way to live and work together. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, it's such a perspective changer to actually go there be on the ground and immerse myself in the local culture and really talk to them. And, you know, if, if I just come there and say, hey, I love hyenas and you should too, I'm just being like a missionary who's pushing my values on them and not respecting their history and their experiences. And it's very cringy. And that's what I think, admittedly, when I first when I first went to East Africa when I was 21, that was kind of the attitude I had. And then I made friends with people and actually made an effort to, to learn their side of the story and then you realize how, how difficult it is i mean i know people who've been ki- i know people whose family members have been killed by hyenas how do you think they're going to react if i come there and say hey you should you should protect hyenas <laughs> hey you know my brother got killed by one i mean how can how can someone say that or like my mom got killed by one it's it's tough All it's right. really tough so i get there I, I go to south africa good hunting culture i get there or before i even get there who am i contacting and like you know, I, it's, I really don't think it's that easy, or maybe you're telling me it's not that easy to go out there and just go kill a lion or kill an No, elephant. no, no. I mean, you'd need to get in touch with a, a safari outfit. One of the reserves. I'm yeah, a reserve. And there's so many safari companies. I mean, it, it's a it's a, it's a a competitive market, and they're trying to get clients. So you're saying it, there's more regulation going into that than buying a gun in America, probably? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell, I mean, come on. It's, that's that's not, not, not even good, a fair comparison correlation and understand <laughs> that people could like burge the gap. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It's easier to go kill a large carnivore yeah. in Africa or large game animal. Yeah. Kill an elephant. Yeah. Than yeah. Getting a gun here in the States. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You could kill a leopard too. I mean, there's the big five, the, the, the five, they're considered the five most dangerous game animals. It sounds like a Fox news show. The big five. It, right? it does. Yeah. So it's the leopard, the lion, the buffalo, the elephant and the rhino. Oh man, that African buffalo. That's, yeah. that's a mean character. It is. Right it's, here. it's tough. They're tough. Not to be messed with. Not the greatest at meat, but 
Yeah, not the best. Gamey. Not, not the best. A bit yeah. gamey, a bit yeah, dense. But yeah, yeah. I, I, people got to go out there and try some of that gamey. I know you've had a bunch. Yeah, I got to uh, I'm have a big some. Fan. Um, got to eat alligator in Florida, but then eating crocodile. Yeah. out there. Right. Good meat. Yeah, good not meat. Not bad at all. A lot. Of, I need any any deer related animal. I think too is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, delicious. It's amazing. Yeah, the game farms. Like when I was in Namibia, we had uh, we had you know I was working there, but there were a lot of farmers who were raising eland and and, uh, and springbok and um kudu i don't know if you know these animals mm. but um kudus are beautiful they have these giant spiral horns they taste so good i mean kudu steak is like amazing and I mean, are you talking about this are you gonna get in trouble no no not at all no 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 you can talk about eating animals like yeah, those yeah. People your- i'm not killing wild animals i'm buying uh, th- these are game farms so people will actually farm them and have herds of these are people this rational about this yeah 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 because I guess for an outward perspective, not mine, but I think a lot of people, they just think like, oh, no, these fields, these industries, these, you know, fields of studies, they're very left-leaning. And yes. And they're only yeah. one way. Yeah. And there's no other, there, there's just no other perspective right. taking in. Well, th- that's what I like. I mean, ecology has, obviously it has that, that type of attitude, but there are people who, who are quite rational and, and yeah. look at the human side and try to be practical practical and realistic and not so idealistic about things and i mean these game farms for example they'll slaughter the animals right for meat to sell at the market to people but then they'll throw away the the sometimes the offal or the skin and guess who benefits the carnivores so we will have brown hyenas or 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 leopards coming to scavenge and eating the meat that's a good thing i mean they're they're then benefiting from mm-hmm. from these anthropogenic sources of food um, so in a way it can be good, you know, I'm not saying it's a perfect situation. I'm not saying it's ideal, but this is the world we live in and they're doing what they can to survive. And what do you think about, uh, in terms of farming and agriculture? What is the, is everybody going vegan or everybody eating greens? <laughs> the the it, direction or way to go? Oh, is it the way to go? I mean, cause I mean, a lot, a lot of people are saying that, you know, there's even that new film, uh, James Cameron, Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger, yeah. Jackie Chan. Yeah. Chris Paul, right? You know, they all happen to be investors in that, uh, right? One of those green meat companies, you know, yeah, or, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know what the name of it. You know, one of those meat com- meatless meats companies. Is the Miracle Burger or something? Miracle or Burger, my one. They're all in- heavy investors. In yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they made this movie. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's a trending industry, that's for sure. Yeah. And uh, I, I applaud people who do it. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not someone who's gonna make fun of vegans. I'm not gonna insult yeah. them. I mean, it's, it's a lifestyle choice. It, it can be, it can be. For climate change, which I admire, if that's their yeah. reason, I also think if it's ethics, it's their personal beliefs. Even if I may or may not agree with them, I mean, it's a personal choice. I'm not gonna push my values or my my personal opinions on them. And I think um, it is true that cows do produce methane that isn't ideal. Um, I'm not saying the beef industry. I'm not gonna demonize the, the the beef or cattle industry because the healthcare industry produces more, uh, uh, you know, of, of, the, of these greenhouse gases and uh, we also have the issue of there's a lot of people in the world who who are uh you know impacting and and have large ecological footprints especially in in the global north if you want um but i'm okay with vegans i mean i think it's great i i have yeah. so many friends especially in europe who are vegan um i think it, we have to be realistic and not uh disrespect people who who maybe eating meat is part of their culture or part of their um uh lifestyle i mean the the you know people in in northern canada or or you know uh they rely on on seals and whales and things like that yeah Yeah, walrus and there are sort of these radical groups 
that um, I think are very disrespectful and and sort of portray these people in, in a in a really bad light. And I, I think it borders on racism, to be honest. Like pushing this sort of this sometimes this vegan value system on others who who don't want to live that way, and and it's often the indigenous people who suffer. Yeah. Um, and I think that's not cool. I mean, well, it's going to be interesting. You know, you look at Germany, who's uh, implementing a twenty percent meat tax. Yeah. And oh yeah. I, I mean, you think that. about like the the very big Muslim population who just sure. migrated there. Sure. And are you going to tell right? You know, hey, that goat you're going to slaughter. Don't for celebrate Eid. Yeah. The holidays. Yeah. Or yeah. that sh- that lamb yeah. you're going to slaughter. I mean, I've lived in Kuwait. I remember the blood just rushing through yeah, like on the yeah, street yeah, from yeah. a butcher shop. Yeah. You're you're working at a school right down the street. This is Kuwait. <laughs> you, know, you think oh, this is not you know the middle of nowhere. You know this is, this is Kuwait. You know there's an American over there teaching basketball and blood just dripping out of the butcher shop and you see that lamb just completely skinned hanging yeah. in the window. Yeah. And hey. It's gonna be twenty percent more, right? For right for wanting to eat this thing. Right. It's, again, listen. This is what we're eating. We're eating kebab. Yeah. We're eating our Muslim meat cakes. Right. <laughs> right. They're yeah. delicious. It's uh, it's it's tough. I mean, I don't know. I uh, I don't know about this whole meat tax thing. I don't know enough about it to to really. Not neither do I. Yeah. Um, but it's be, be, because again, it's 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 tough, you know, because in this battle of ideas. In our, in our cultures we're facing all around the country. You know, it's it's left or right, conservative, progressive. That's the thing. It's it's binary, which I don't and like. And everything, no like nuance. both ideas, they're, they're, they're both, they want the best. You know, none of the, one, someone's calling someone else evil, they're probably completely wrong. Not, yeah. not everybody is inherently evil. No. Yes, we all have our interior motives, and in this game of survival, we're all looking out for ourselves. Yeah. But we're talking about the, the movement and pushing people towards a general positive direction, yeah. it's going to have a po- there, there's a there's a positive idea behind it. Yeah, it right. might not be your idea in the way you want to see things going. Right. But again, that's it's the hardest thing. I think you know you're out there on the front lines with these hyenas and seeing you know how people are affected there, in yeah. turn how it affects you know people in this world over here yeah. that they live in. So you know the message is there, but how do we get just everybody on board with an idea? I mean. It, it's it's happening more. It's happening faster than it's ever yeah, happened. But yeah. people are getting even more impatient. Right, right. Because it just, things don't just happen. It's not happening fast enough. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Incremental progress or whatever. Yeah. What do you think is the way to go in terms of conservation-wise? Um, Any way that we can just get people on board? Like, hey, no more anthropomorphization or maybe more anthropomorphization. Less meat, more meat, more greens, more yeah, meat. Yeah, yeah. Eat a balance. Yeah, right. I mean, one thing one thing that's been good in... in, in wildlife research in general um is is the media side has, has people want to really know how they grown. can help they want to know how they make they a do they do you know people make fun of people who are just reposting yeah. something about the amazon now but right you know, something like that helps right yeah. that's the power of social media i mean it's benefited uh, you know now there's crowdfunding for different conservation projects there's there's ways you can donate or support or or you know sponsor them and i think that's been really good you know a lot of these like, like the jane goodall institute i mean they have such a big following and they raise so much money and they do amazing work and um, that's that that's that that's their reach on social media and, and, and on the internet. I think mm-hmm. that's something we as scientists need to really capitalize on and learn learn about. And also, like alternative means of, of earning money, I think is a good way because in science, the traditional model is you apply for a grant and you may or may not get it. Now grants are getting more and more competitive, and there's less and less money. So the acceptance rate for like major grants from the NSF, the the National Science Foundation, is less than ten percent. So you spend hours and hours writing this grant that has like a one in ten chance of getting funded, and it was a waste of time. 
So we have to find ways to to make money in 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 in, in other uh, from 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 other sources like like filming or um, social, content content exactly social media you know content's king you know uh, uh, wildlife channels it's great if they can you know monetize their videos things like that I mean these things help maybe investing in in cryptos I mean we have to be creative now and mm-hmm. and find other ways other means of of, of money making and any way people can support you and support the projects you're working on um yeah we we have a website uh, hyena-project.com that, mm-hmm. that they can go and it says donate if people want to donate and help support hyenas then uh, they're welcome to do so. What about you as the individual? I mean, how, what, how, how do you make money? Um, at the moment, I have... How do I ha- scientists make money? Um, at the, well, my salary is covered by my research institute, my, my, my monthly salary. But um, I, we also have grants from really amazing organizations like National Geographic and the IUCN, uh, things like that. Okay. So, yeah. Fantastic. Well, I think we're going to save the planet. Oh, wait. No, we have to talk about these. Oh, right. The straws. No, no, not that straw. Oh. Just the, the plastic straws in general. Oh, okay. Your stance, your take. Um, it's, it's, you know, it, it, you know, first of all, I know, I don't know if you've seen the famous video of that woman pulling the straw out of the turtle's yeah. nose and it's bleeding. So I, I don't know her in person, but like I've spoken to her on, so, on Twitter really? and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Christine F- F- Figgener or Finnegar, I can't remember. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, obviously that type of video is very emotional and, it, you know, it's tr- sad because there's blood coming out of the Well, rules. it's like the hyena. And you talk about the laughing. Yeah. You can hear the animal scream. You yeah. can't hear anything underwater. That right. thing comes out of water. Right. You know, again, that, that, that hits in a core. Yeah, yeah so it does. feeling like an emotion. When you very, can hear something, yeah. you can hear pain. Right. It's a very visceral thing. That's what gets people. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I mean, I think there are... In a way, it's nice that it's getting attention, and yes, plastic pollution is a thing, but there are bigger problems. Like I think it's a this, plastic straws are almost a symptom of like a much larger thing. Yes. So it's like putting a bandaid on a much bigger wound. Well, we're talking about recycling. recycling. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, it's a systemic issue, a societal thing that we need to solve. And you know, I don't think just banning plastic straws is gonna do that much. I mean there are also people who rely on straws people who are disabled who, who can't drink without straws uh they were upset understandably i mean we didn't account for them so i don't think this straw ban is necessarily the way to go um it, it's raised attention and awareness for for you know this pollution issue or whatever or recycling but um we need to do more i like to joke and say you know i i, I think i've seen more deaths of metal straws yeah right. then i've seen more turtles die of plastic straws. right i think that turtle made it i think i think we, uh, it survived yeah i think they released survived. it and it was okay you yeah. know yeah. Is, is there any more turtle videos like that or is there just that there one? might be i mean there, there's a lot of famous videos or like photos of of you know fish that are like full of plastic in their stomach well, yeah you see the uh the oh six yeah pack ring right birds getting one. choked and i don't know how that or yeah, the that, wings getting screwed up how those animals got inside that six pack ring deep enough that it started choking them yeah i'm not sure i mean now i'm starting to think conspiratorial stuff like, <laughs> we, gotta, we gotta stop because now i'm just thinking like how did that thing get all the how way how did they get in yeah all the way on its neck right right stop yeah, we, gotta, we gotta stop stop <laughs> I'm thinking conspiracy theories now. Um, no, again, it's it's a great cause. Hey, we need to be aware of this. Yeah. If, it, if it's if it's get us to using less plastics, because again, it's a spinoff of yeah. the oil and gas industry. Right. I mean, it's so crazy to think that this is made from gasoline. It is crazy. Oil and it, it's a fossil fuel product. Yeah, <sighs> it's crazy. I mean, the my issue is that is with more with the um, 
single-use plastics. These are like the wispy plastic bags you put your avocados in at the grocery store. You don't need them, and they're bad. I mean, you use them once, they tear or whatever because they're super fragile, and you toss them. Well, it's funny. You know, it's I carry my backpack around everywhere I go. And why do you have a backpack on? Well, I just I really don't know what I'm going to need. And, you know, throw your groceries in there. Yeah. Throw right. your stuff in there. Exactly. That, that backpack lasts me three years. That's I'm going to wear that thing till it falls. Right off right actually it might be older i'm not buying these like single i do the same thing i, I have a, like a proper bag that i use every time when i go to the I, grocery store i don't store. own a car you know me either well in tanzania i do yeah but I mean, it's you know again those little things but at the same time we can't be negated as people to think that that there there's there's no benefit in that because right. it's, it's not really you're never going to actually see the change you want to be in the world it's very hard to do that yeah that's you exceptional know? you don't just get to be elon musk no to be Elon Musk. Most of us, yeah, exactly. And to put a rocket in the sky. Right. Inspire people to do that. It's right. how much inspiration and, um, you know, positivity and how many good ideas and messages you can put out there that other people can continue to build. Right. And spawn on yeah. those ideas. Yeah. Literally, that's the way to be the change sure. in the world. Sure, sure. And, yeah, yeah you know, you, you want to think big picture, you're not working hard enough. Right. You right. want to see crazy change, you got to work harder. Yeah. yeah. You know, get to the bush get to Africa. Yeah. You don't want these lions dying? Get out Go there. there yeah. Go find out yeah. what it's like to go live with those and people. And believe in it. You know, believe in your mission. Yeah. It's a big thing. It's, it's such a big proponent, but, you know, I mean, more people are affected by it. More people are... I think there's a... Humanity is trending forward. Um, like I said, the linear line of destruction and, you know, ingenuity and creativity, we've been able to stay ahead of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still moving. We yeah. are in a mass extinction, yeah, you know, right yeah, now. Yeah. But um, technology, I mean, green technology is a big thing, and people are investing in it, and it's hot. I mean, look at Tesla. Look at all these different. I mean, things. is well, how solar and wind energy out there? Is that something that you see massive wind turbines in the middle of the city? No, not at all. There's a lot of potential, maybe. I mean, they have their own environmental impacts, like a lot of birds and bats actually get wiped out by uh, windmills and stuff. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. I have a colleague who's actually studying that in Germany wind turbines that are uh, how many bats get killed by them oh my god that yeah. was just... you can't win man it's always something it's not it's not about winning because it's like it's like you know okay these wind turbines maybe they have lights right what do the lights attract moths bugs. insects what do the bugs attract bats so then you have these bats that are flying to these things that kill them and it sucks. And you think about that massive little strobe light, you know, right. that, that, that goes off. Yeah. How big that strobe light might be the size of this room. Yeah, exactly. About, exactly. Like a hundred foot window. Exactly. Oh my God, that's going to be attracting the most bugs. Yeah. Those yeah. things must get so dirty. I exactly. never thought about them before. Think about just yeah. like, you think about your windshield and just like if you're going, driving through central Florida and there's just a big, so big many yeah. bugs coming through and now imagine a windmill. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, imagine the destruction, and then you know we put in this thing to be to feel good and be green, and then you're killing animals by doing it. Yeah, it's rough. Well, again, it's not about winning. It's how how do we? Someone's gonna lose. Definitely. I think I we think haven't no matter found a what, way to be God, and we haven't found a way to right, say, hey, right. this is just yeah. justice is never balanced, or justice is balanced, but yeah. it means somebody is losing. So, and, always. And, always. Yeah, I mean that's the thing we got to get over, and but that's just the thing. It's just not fair. It is not fair. That's just, and that's, that's just the reality. But that's the thing we can't in. get over. Yeah. And how do we get people to look outside that rationality or to look to be more rational to say, but again, you know, you're not the you're not the guy who lost his mom to hyenas. Right. I'm not. You're out there studying. I'm the guy who was raised in the States and, and you know, finds them interesting and wants to study them. So it's, yeah. Arjun, dear, this is fantastic. Stuff. Yeah. Thanks for having me on.
really wasn't good. planned, but I mean, I'm so happy <laughs> we too. got the show going. Yeah, me too. Happy got to meet you Pleasure. this week. Yeah, that, that was that was really great. Yeah, what'd you think of your bus your bus riding experience? Good. Good, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah highly recommend it. Oh, that's, a, that's a five star review. <laughs> Absolutely. If you haven't done one already, you're still listening. The very few. No, it's a good one. <laughs> Go ahead, leave one. But please, I know we talked about before people can donate. Please let them know how they can find you. Um, and I know you stressed this before, but stressed everybody again, you know, people going out, watching that content, sharing the studies, the yeah. videos that are yeah. created yeah. Um, from the stuff you make. Yeah. Um, well, I'm on Instagram, uh, Arjdeer, A-R-J-D-H-E-E-R. Um, same on Twitter. Um, and uh, we also have the Twitter account for the Hyena Project, just Hyena Project, um, and a YouTube channel, Hyena Project. So um, you can check out our content. We upload videos very regularly, um, updates from the field, uh, you know, getting up close and personal with the hyenas. And um, yeah, if you're interested, then take, take uh, check it out. How do I get to come out there? Uh, well, we'll arrange. We got to get your permit first, but once we do that. Oh, come out and film, let me know paperwork film some hyenas yeah i'm so in we're going yeah. as dangerous It'd be super fun no we're talking about in that car outside radio zone yeah Maybe right broken down yeah just lions, don't, don't pee out the window You'll lions okay. pouncing on the car yeah, right, right. i've only had one experience with lions i got to walk with these two at this game reserve oh well young ones about like two or three mm-hmm. um and again all we had was the four guys you know wardens you know the people yeah. that would work there and they all had sticks they weren't carrying guns you know even though we had these two semi-adult adult lions yeah and it was just like if they got a little too close remember guys do not turn your backs to these things at yeah. all okay good hey um you know lion just starts making snarls at the guy he's like just poking a stick at oh, her really? about hitting no. it it's like is that is that enough yeah yeah, <laughs> is that yeah. Enough? And they'll put like a stake in the tree and this thing goes bam bam branch branch like up 15 feet of tree or really Oh, oh my God, God this yeah. thing's right there. We're not going to be able to do anything if no, it attacks no, us. That's great. Yeah, no <laughs> We're contest. screwed. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, it's a, it's a humbling experience. Yeah. I also swam with great white sharks in that same trip. So I, mean, Whoa, I, cool. I went the whole carnival yeah, wow. spectrum right okay. there. So I'm ready. That's extreme, yeah. For the hyenas yeah. next. Yeah, just keep your hands in the car. You'll be okay. Oh, yeah, I can't lose anymore. Yeah, don't. Anymore. <laughs> what is these called? Uh, digits? Yeah, I digits. Fingers almost lost the that. pinky toe. Oh, wow. But guys... We're going to stop rambling. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Go check out uh, Arjun's stuff. It's all over uh, different social media channels. And you just type in his name. You're going to find different studies, grants, not grants, but different field works and papers that he's done on Google. Simple search term away. And guys, thanks for tuning in the show. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. All the good stuff. You know, I got to go through all that good stuff. What you should do, why you should do it. Plugs. You know, this is like you asking for money for grants. You know, yeah, this is right. Me. Exactly. This is me plugging myself away, selling <laughs> myself to the system um yeah guys and then sharing the show sharing the show always helps the share button on youtube right here there's links to be sharing that all over your social media so check out the stories all the different content we're creating and if you want to be a part of the show and be with the show just a dm away come join the bus driver experience and that's about it anything else we missed that's, that's oh merch we got merch bus driver experience merch we gotta pay brian we there's only one way to pay this guy, and I need to sell merch. Go get your bus driver experience shirts. We got coffee mugs. They're not here yet. I'm going to have them for the next show. There's phone cases. Again, I don't have them here, but imagine having that logo right here. Right? It feels good. You don't have it yet. So get to the store. Go buy one. Let's do it. Busdriverproductions.com. And I'm out of breath. That's it. See you guys. That's a, that's a Nazi story. I'm, like, I'm just going to wave. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Is the most uh, for those who.